This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited to have Bonnie Casamassima here with me. She is an intuitive empath and founder of Interweave People Place, and I'm so excited to have her here joining us. So welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful being here with you. How are you doing? I am doing okay. We were just talking before we started recording that I have a tickle in my throat. So I've got a lozenge in everybody. So hopefully it will not be too much coughing and um, too much of the clinking around in my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get through it, right? Um, So if you just want to introduce yourself and give a little bit more of a robust introduction about all that you do, because it's so fascinating. Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, it's so great to be here with you. And hello, everyone who is listening today. I hope your day is going well or night or morning, whatever you're connecting with this. So in a nutshell, I am an intuitive empath, as you shared, and I have worked for the past nearly 15 years in the psychology and research around how the design of our spaces, so our built environments, our homes, our offices, our wellness centers, can use the healing connection with nature and pull that into our built spaces to support our well being. And as it's evolving, our intuition. I work primarily with architects and designers and partnership on larger projects, as well as people in their homes. And um, more recently, have really focused on creating education content so people can really take this and run with it within their own space. And we'll get into the details with how the evolution occurred, but within the last year and a half, have um, really been waking up to my intuition and my empathic nature and ability that's always been there. So I also support people through channeling to connect with their guides and their teams. It's a complete honor to have that as a support. I feel like you have all these different parts of you and you're at the point where they're all coming together Mm -hmm. in this beautiful alchemy, which of course I love and is really exciting. Could you share a little bit about the design work? Is that in the vein of feng shui? How does that come into play? Yeah, absolutely. So the specific field that I work in and research in, and I've got my graduate thesis in is called biophilic design, which is really looking at our innate connection to all living things. And how do we pull that into the built walls of our daily lives, as I like to say. We spend nearly 90% of our lives indoors, in our homes, our offices, our schools, et cetera. How can we make them experientially feel as connected as we feel when we're on a hike in the woods, so to speak, or time at the beach? 
So it's really looking at the science and the research and the psychology of that connection and pulling it into our spaces. I like to say that biophilic design is really similar in nature to feng shui. I by no means am an expert in feng shui. I have so much respect for people that do that and it's an incredible sacred tradition. So I like to say that they're sisters where we're looking at the ultimate same goals of creating a connection with ourselves as humans and remembering that we are part of the cycle of nature and pulling it into a framework that we can use when we're creating our spaces to support that connection. First of all, the 90% number, I almost wanted to cry out because that is so sad. And I feel so fortunate that I I think my number is substantially less than that. And I'm looking out onto my beautiful green neighborhood right now. So I, even though I'm not outside, I feel like I'm outside with the windows. I don't know if psychologically that fits in that (laughs) in that number but Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying it's really about living more intentionally and creating space with more intention that gives you all of the benefits that you would get from being outside but knowing that most of us are constrained and how much flexibility we have in doing so Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you were asking about that intersection, the alchemy, if you will, of all these pieces. And we can get into some details and a little bit about the specific journey, but it's really, I'm so honored to have spent the last 15-ish years researching and working in the specific psychology and science and information about how is it that our spaces impact us through that connection of nature in our built environment. So we're looking at things like plants are definitely one of them, but it's not about a million plants everywhere. So for those that don't have a green thumb, don't worry, right? There are actually 87 attributes that we can use as tools. And it's really more about creating that experience and engaging all of our senses with it. So what I'm most inspired by as I'm integrating all of these elements of me is how are we using our environments as a tool to one, reconnect us with nature because we are part of nature. And two, as a tool to support us on our own journey of connecting with our intuition and supporting our overall well-being. Mm, And I think one of the things that as people open and awaken to this more conscious living sensitivity to their environment, I think is one of the highest first things that they notice, whether that be all of a sudden they walk into a room and they feel a weird energy in there, or people have been arguing, or it feels, you know, it's almost like a palpableness or a density or a lightness. And I love that you're sharing this because I think we often take on the belief, or if we don't have the support around us, that we're making it up or we're crazy, or, oh my gosh, I'm being so sensitive again, when the truth is that energetic component that you feel is very, very real. And I love that there's all this science behind it. I do think it's a conversation that we intuitively connect with and know. So I use the specific word biophilic design, right? Because that's a specific field. But if we really broaden that and say we're connected and feel supported when we're in natural environments. You know, some people might feel really drawn to desert spaces. Some people might feel innately drawn to a walk in the woods. 
we know we feel incredible in those environments. We also know that we're spending a really sad amount of percentage of our lives indoors. How do we blend those two together to create that magic? So I think that as a field, it's a, it's a growing field. I think we see it most prominently in commercial spaces. So in conversations around the kind of architecture and design world within workplace design, um, healthcare environments, hospitals, et cetera. Because what we see, because we are connected with it, we see when spaces are designed in such a way that incorporate these elements. So views to nature, like you're talking about elements that are engaging all of our senses, you know, having air move throughout our space, having the smell or aromatherapy integrated, having textures of natural materials around. We see a direct connection with improved healing rates. People heal faster from surgery because they're less stressed. We see people be more productive because they have a higher sense of connection. Their cortisol levels are reduced. And we also see when we're pulling into education spaces that people learn at a faster rate because their body is supported in such a way that their stress is reduced allowing more of their energy to do the things such as focus on a test or focus on studying. So I think in concept, we intuitively understand it as a field. I I believe it's growing, especially when we're bringing it to individuals in their homes. Well, and it seems to me that it's something that is so obvious that should be a priority when designing any space. And I imagine in so many settings, it's either the last thing to be considered, or it's, it's very low down on the list. The other thing that's coming to mind too, is that, you know, we've, we built a house and so we were definitely in the process and there's just so many elements to it that to me, it really has to do with connecting your values to your actions. And, and I've been talking about this a lot privately about one of the reasons that I often will feel disconnected or disappointed or resentful or whatever the negative emotion is, because what I, what I feel inside and what I think and what I say to myself for multitude of reasons does not end up matching what happens on the outside, what I say, Mm -hmm. what I do. And that could be, you know, anything from a limiting belief to a financial reason to a practical reason. But I think it's that, that point of separation from what you know is the right thing and feels good to you to having that be an actuality. And so I'm wondering for people that are listening and this is like lighting up every cell like me, <laughs> what can we do to, to bridge that gap and, and find more intention as we create spaces for ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. And what a great question. Where it's really essential is that you know, biophilic design is the framework or the tool, if you will. And it's essential that you're listening first to your own intuition. What is it that your body, your soul, your spirit is asking for to support you where you are on that journey? Um, I actually have a course on Learn It Live. It's kind of an introduction to these concepts and it's talking about how you're using this conversation to connect with your intuition and flow. And in that, 
one of the things I do is I lead a guided visualization. So we're all in front of our computers, most likely. And I have people go through and imagine a time that they felt supported when they were in nature and just spend time there and it's guided, but we go through and say, okay, what is it about this space or the environment that's around you that supports you? What needs is it honoring, et cetera, right? What are you smelling? What are you seeing? What stands out? And from that, we break down, okay, what is it about that specific natural setting that was so supportive for you? So some people will say, you know, the smell of the pine trees that I climbed as a child to get away from my siblings. <laughs> so it was the pine tree, it's a smell. We're not literally going to move a pine tree into a home necessarily, but what it did do is it offered the sense of reprieve. It offered the sense of escape or privacy and the sense of smell is incredibly important. So then what we're doing is we're saying, okay, what's, what's coming through with that is that there's a really strong need to ensure that within the design of your home, there's an area that's just yours. Maybe it's a tiny like converted closet, that's your meditation space or a whole room if you can have it, or even a corner chair, that's just yours. You're using that as the guidepost. And then once you've connected with what is it that you really are yearning for, what can be supportive for you, you're using tools that came through in that visualization, for example, was it the colors around you? Was it the smells? Was it the textures? And you're using that to help guide, but it's ultimately driven by what it is that you're needing to support you. Mm, so it starts with that emotional connection and then you bridge it into a physical um, output. Absolutely. And say, you know, when I'm working with people in a healing center, for example, we have a wide range of people and a wide range of needs. So what we're doing is very early in the process, we're getting the whole team together, the people that are working on the project. And we actually, when possible, immerse people in the natural setting that the spot is going to be built on. And we have them go through, okay, what was most captivating about the natural environment around us? What is she telling us that she's wanting to be built on her, right? As a really including nature in the process is essential. And then pulling in the research and psychology around, okay, how are we creating spaces that are integrating these elements to support diverse people's personalities, preferences, et cetera. It tends to be this wonderful melting pot and ecosystem when spaces are designed for um, a wide public, same in offices, same in schools. Well, and it's so interesting because I'm thinking, you know, my daughter <clears throat> has an interest in interior design at the moment. So we just redid her room again, based on her new aesthetic. And we've talked about, and it's making me think a lot about the commercialization or materialism in the sense of just like there's clothes and colors and fashions that come into style it seems more and more that there's an aesthetic that comes into our awareness our popularity and then it's a target and home goods and you know all the different mass merchandise and on the one hand I think it's exciting because I feel like people have access to things in a way that used to be very 
out of reach. It was only designer. It was only upscale. It was only something that you had to have a certain financial background in order to be able to access. And I love that for really not that much money, you could go in and buy a bunch of accessories. On the other hand, it feels very much like we're being told what we should like. And so I'm wondering your thoughts on that. Oh my goodness. So many thoughts. (laughs) I had a feeling that might trigger something. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. That's such a great, and I, I could not agree with you more. I think one of the things that is such a fire in my belly is yes, I've like gone through all the schooling and all the credentialing and et cetera, et cetera, for design. What I feel very passionately about is that design historically has this perception that it's for that 1%. And I think that's such a disservice to, I mean, I don't even say humanity because our spaces have such an impact on, on us and our well-being. And I am very passionate about advocating that it's not about buying more things. In fact, it's usually the opposite. When I work with people in their homes, it's usually about really clearing out what no longer aligns and serves them. And how do we intentionally celebrate those that do? So the one piece there is that there's a lot of marketing around saying that your space has to look like this for you to feel X, Y, or Z. And in order for you to feel accomplished, to feel successful, et cetera, fill in the blank, then you need to buy these 17 things and it needs to look exactly this way. And I feel like that's such a disservice to the person that's creating their home. And you can go into 13 different homes and they all look the same and they don't reflect the person and who they are and really who their spirit is trying to be. Right. So what I do say with that is that, yes, concepts within design can be you know a million dollar price budget or a 50 cent price budget or none at all these things are already in your home i know most of us in the united states at least are really fortunate to have garages full of things that we don't know where to put right and we're very very privileged in that so know that there's a lot of marketing that is telling us that our space has to be a certain way or look a certain way or have certain things for us to be successful. And I'm very passionate about really pausing and asking, what is it that supports you? And then how can your space be used as a tool to be supportive in that? I love that so much. And I feel like one of my mini crusades is against materialism and consumerism. And I was thinking about this yesterday and it came in a little bit in a meditation about what is enough? And I was walking down the street and I saw a neighbor and they waved and smiled and I waved and smiled and I felt so good. It was just like a simple, sweet exchange. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, when did that not become enough? When Mm -hmm. did more, more, more become what everybody's goal is and what everybody's aiming for? And so it's just bringing up like that synchronicity with what you're talking about that again, through the lens of our spaces, we're getting that programming 
that whatever we have is not good enough. We need to buy more. We need to change it. We need to fill it with all these things. And so I just, I'm so grateful that you're offering a perspective that first of all, you might already have <laughs> everything that you need, whether or not it's being utilized at this time, but also it's such an individual personal decision. And I know that it feels so counter the programming that we all need to buy the same things and think the same things and have the same things. But for the people listening that it's okay that your house <laughs> looks different than other people's. It's okay if you go to the store and the aesthetic is not matching what you want. You don't have to change everything that you have just because you see it absolutely everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the essential piece there is to know that your environment is a really powerful tool to support you in your journey. Where I do recommend people starting is in an area that allows you to find stillness. So marry the space with a practice that you're already doing. So for me, I try to meditate in the mornings and the evenings on my best days. <laughs> I try to do both. And when I have a chair or a corner in a room or a nook or even a whole space, if we're lucky to, to dedicate to that practice, you're using your built space as a cue or a trigger to remind you of those practices. So instead of having clutter everywhere and you have to clear it off to then quiet your mind to meditate, when you're able to dedicate, even if it's a small, you know, four by four area, when you're able to dedicate that in alignment with creating that stillness for you, so many of the other pieces fall into place. So what I do recommend for something that's tangible there is we could talk about this for hours and hours. We won't, but in a nutshell, when we're looking at design of spaces, we often look to nature and we find what's called sacred geometry and the golden ratio. And it's a proportioning system that we have in our bodies. And when designs are created with that same proportioning system, it allows us to feel calm. So it's 1.618 is a specific proportion. If you look at buildings like the Parthenon, they're built with that. Uh, if you look at you know, a lot of our sacred spaces, they're built with that. But how we can pull that into accessibility within our homes, for example, is I do recommend, you know, you could take it all the way down to when you have a shelf, you can think about a 40-60 proportioning. So 60% of the shelf is open space, allowing energy to move through it, allowing visual space between items. And 40% is filled with items that really spark your joy, like Marie Kondo says, or items that remind you of your gratitude practice or your mindfulness practice. Maybe it's pictures of your family, or it's a trinket that you got when you went to a meditation retreat, right? So if you're looking at things like 40, 60, and I know a lot of us have kids in the house, so 60% clear is difficult sometimes, you just flip it. So 60% is intentional items, 40% open. And it's helping our bodies to, to calm with it. We can do um, a lot with that. I mean, all the way from architecture and the site design 
to how many things you have on your walls, et cetera. But it's a good rule of thumb to start there. Did you see me over here? I'm taking notes. And it's so funny when you naturally gravitate towards something and how confirming it is to hear it reflected back that I always have loved having less out and less things. It is a challenge with kids and the clutter. And again, I just encourage people to be the change they want to see. And for kids modeling, okay, every month we're going to get rid of stuff. We're going to go through stuff or quarterly based on the seasons, whatever it is. I mean, we have a bin that we keep by our front door and we just walk around and fill it with stuff all the time to give away because it's just, I, it's, it's too much stuff. And I know for a lot of people, the stuff becomes such a big deal. It's, it's too much stuff. It's not enough stuff. It just, we spend a lot of time moving stuff around yep. and that time can be used in so many other ways. And, you know, I know this, this year and a half and continuing of pandemic life has given people an opportunity to sit with their stuff in many ways. And so I think that it's been really positive for people to realize what they have, what they want to get rid of, what they want to do differently. And so I hope that as we continue to move out into the world, that some of those positive parts of this experience will continue. And the, the minimalist movement, I think, is amazing. This idea of starting with one day and every day, just adding on more stuff that you're going to get rid of. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on the train towards that. I think what's really important with that is to listen to what resonates for you, right? One person might find their peace in a completely clean space without any items on any of the shelves, right? And another person might find their peace with items all over the place, right? So I think, again, it's going back to listening to what's inside of you, what when we're honest with ourselves, what's nurturing, what's supportive, and then move from there using the tools such as biophilia that we're talking about. And my goodness, connect with nature, <laughs> connect, connect, connect. Um, it's so easy to go a whole day without intentionally feeling a breeze on your face, right? We can bring it into our built spaces through things like biophilia, but it's really ultimately another tool with connecting and spending time with that healing energy. Oh, I could not agree more. There is no better medicine for me personally than going for a walk in nature. And every time I find myself in a funk or just a state of, of dis-ease or discomfort. It's, it's inevitably that two things. I have not been good with my gratitude practice mm -hmm. and I have not spent enough time immersed in nature because I just feel when you're, when you're in it, it's almost like nature absorbs whatever negative energy that you are having. The trees, the leaves, the rocks, I feel like they're just so incredibly supportive to me. So I'm really glad that you've brought that back into the conversation. Absolutely. I wanted to ask about your intuition because I know that that has played an increasing role, both as an element of your work, but also in your 
non-design work. So could you share more about how you started tapping into your intuition and developed your Claire abilities? Absolutely. So I guess at a high level, within about a few months, maybe about five years ago, four years ago, I had some pretty big things happen in life. So I had a broken engagement, mutual broken engagement, a distancing from family. And I found out that a family member was um, really ill. So all these things that I put my foundation in outside of me were seemingly not there anymore. So as one of the tools in my healing journey, I started meditating really just to reduce my stress. You know, I jumped into work, was working 70 hours a week to try to avoid all the things that were happening. And I started meditating to reduce my stress. I've worked in the corporate world for years. I'm now I'm a adjunct professor. So I'm teaching and I love all that work, but long story short, I start meditating just to calm my nerves. And one day as I'm meditating in pops, a visual, it's hard to explain. I'm sure a lot of people listening probably resonate with this. It's almost like a movie screen in my mind's eye when um, my eyes are closed in meditation. And I remember I jumped back. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was so startled by it. As a kid, I was always very sensitive, you know, called oversensitive or like, why are you crying all the time? And and I didn't know how to explain it as a kid, but I could, I could feel people's energy. I could feel if they were mad or sad. And I just thought that's how everybody felt. So pan forward to the visual coming in during meditation. I started, um, I guess, by waking up to the abilities that were already there. And I shared this instance with a friend and she had been on her journey for a while. It's like, am I going crazy? I'm getting visuals. And she said, you're not going crazy. I think you're tapping into your intuitive abilities. And, you know, I'm coming from the research and academic world. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's amazing if this is true, but I mean, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it being so analytical. And as part of the journey, she recommended I connect with a medium for a session. When we sat down, she shared a really specific visualization that she said. She said, you know, I'm seeing there's a symbol of money, like you're investing into some type of course. And I see you tapping into your intuition more. And I didn't even know what the word intuition meant at the time. Right. So within the same day, just by coincidence or nothing's really a coincidence. Right. <laughs> Um, I had two readings by two different intuitives or two mediums, and they both had the exact same thing come through. Wow. And so what came through was listen to this gift and invest in it. You know, you are a researcher, like take a class on it. So I said, I didn't know, like, are there classes on this? What is this? I'll be open. I'll be open. And <laughs> The very next day, um, Jamie Butler, the incredible medium in Atlanta, pops up on Facebook and shares, I'm doing a mentorship where it's the first time I'm doing it, but I've had it for a long time. And it's all around helping people to 
connect with their intuition and think about it from like how you're supporting people with this lens. <laughs> and my whole body lit up. When, hmm. I have chills everywhere right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So went and took that course that was last, last year and spent six months with her and a group of beautiful, beautiful people, um, really waking up to these abilities and that community allowed me to, to trust myself with these, um, visuals that were coming in. And the more I trusted them, the clearer they got. So the information comes through for me through visuals or clairvoyancy and through clairsinience, so through my body. And mm. it comes through with symbols and complex messages, but it comes out in human language through my lips. <laughs> and when I was in that workshop or in that mentorship group, I got an intuitive ping that said, you know, do a channeling session for one of your friends and see what comes through. And I was so nervous. It's like, I mean, it, it works for me, but who am I to say it's going to work for somebody else? So before I could talk myself out of it, I sent her a message. I was like, Hey, I know this might sound crazy, but would you be interested in hopping on a zoom call? And she goes, absolutely sign me up. <laughs> so we sat down and connected over zoom and, you know, I, I put a protection ritual around us connected with her guides called in my guides as a support and clear visuals came through rapidly for responses to her questions from her guides. And it was as if I was floating in my chair, like the energy exchange between us. I had never felt anything like that before. And she, you know, the session ended up lasting two hours. Um, wow. So magical. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that made me realize very nervously, like, okay, I'm being this incredible connection. It's very clear that this is something to support other people with. So have since then been sharing channeling sessions with people. And now they're 30 minutes or an hour. You can sign up for them on my website. And it's, I see myself as a tool for a conduit, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And I think just like mediumship for me helped me to connect with my own intuition. I'm honored to be able to support people on their own journey of connecting what's already inside them and there as a support tool for them. I'm just sitting here thinking how I could have tears come to my eyes, just how fortunate and how blessed that we are to have followed the breadcrumbs, trusted the little voice, opened to these possibilities. You know, that quote keeps going round and round in my head and I can't think of who said it. So I'll tag it in the notes. You can live as if nothing is a miracle or you can live as if everything is a miracle. Mm -hmm. And I just feel that so strongly in literally every fiber of my being that that we have this great opportunity to live life like this. Like the what you're describing is exactly the essence of what I want to spend all of my days doing and just helping other people see that that they do have support. They do have this this innate wisdom and and value and and beautiful endless possibilities and opportunities inside of them. And so I just wanted to share that I'm so grateful 
on a personal level and also on this interconnected journey that we're on that you know, the light that you're sharing and doing that really does spread out well beyond the people that you work with. Thank you. And I I could not agree more. I feel so passionately that we all have these innate abilities and this connection. And sometimes they'll come to people and I got feeling sometimes it'll be I don't know how to explain it, but I just need to turn right today. And then you turn right and you bump into a good friend that you haven't seen in years and, and everything unfolds from there. And it's an honor to listen. I was incredibly terrified at first. Um, so just to share that openly and, you know, coming from this academic and research background, it was really difficult for me to share openly that yes, I'm having these visions. I'm sharing them with people. I'm sitting on a zoom call with people and, you know, 35, 40 people in the visuals are still coming through. In fact, they're coming through even clearer and clearer. And the more I started just trusting and listening and being honest, like, okay, I'm a little scared and it feels so aligned. I can't Mm -hmm. not share this information the more that other people started sharing, oh my goodness, thank you so much for saying that out loud because I felt some similar fears. And the more I think that we talk about it and the more that we share with each other these experiences that we're going through, it's so powerful for our own journey. So, so keep working on sharing that story. I'm so grateful for my friends way back when I'll, I'll shout out her name, Harden, <laughs> um, for, for supporting me. And that's like, you're not going crazy. You're waking up, talk to these people. I bet you'll follow your journey and see what happens. And it's such an honor to get to support people through the channeling sessions. It's what my heart is calling all day, every day to do more and more of. So I'm excited to, to see where it takes me and to see who I get to support with it. Well, and also I think when we step into that, it allows other people to see themselves reflected because I know for me and my journey, similar to you, when I was younger, I had a lot of experiences and and a lot of understanding. And then you just sort of get on a, a path that is more, standard or more traditional and then waking back up to it reawakening remembering a lot of these things I felt like I was at a point age-wise or demographically you know with kids that I didn't really see myself reflected in a lot of people that were talking about this or doing this kind of work it felt like it skewed much older and sort of like the OGs of mediums or the people that were on TV or people that were much younger and having these incredible awakening experiences and talking about ayahuasca and all these things that just felt not aligned with where I was in my particular point in life, having young kids, having a husband, working and and trying to expand and open to these things. So again, just to piggyback on your encouragement that 
if you look around and you feel like you're the only one, that's a call even stronger to be a louder voice because without question, there are other people that look exactly like you, sound like you, feel like you, and do not yet have the courage or conviction to come forward and to share their truth. So if you just can dig a tiny bit deeper and be able to do that, you will extend a bridge to countless number of people. Absolutely. And I can't share enough about how important it was to find community of other people that were going through similar experiences. And that came through saying what I was experiencing out loud to people that I trusted. I think that's really important. Always listen to what your intuition is telling you, right? And, and for me and a lot of people that I've spoken with, the more that they listen and trust and follow, even if you don't know why, I don't know why I'm being called to turn left here, but I'm going to turn left and the stronger it gets the stronger it gets. So keep listening. I believe very fully it's in all of us and um, we're really incredible beings. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it does show up in so many different ways. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I think clairvoyance is one that gets a lot of attention and a lot of people would even in some ways strive for or feel that that's like a top of the, (laughs) it's a top of the line Claire ability. But I think that inner knowing or that, that sentience or the audience, or there's so many different ways that it can come through. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is that from it, it's just something that happens and you will know for yourself when it is an intuition. I think that that's exactly right. I'm curious because you had mentioned the sacred geometry. So does that come through in your channeling? Do you see light language? I'm dying to know what you see. Oh, that's a great question. Sometimes it really is. It really depends on the person and what comes through for them. So sometimes I'll see symbols. Sometimes I'll see uh, a lot of it comes through very visually for me. And I think the guides are communicating that way or, or team or guides or spirit. There's so many different words that people use again, go with what resonates most with you, but from your support team. And they, they know that I have a background in a visual field. So I think a lot of visuals come through that way, just because that is what's most comfortable for me. So I'll get really complex symbols sometimes that I've never seen before, but I'll describe them to somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, that was a necklace that my great grandmother wore all the time, right? So I share what comes through. Rarely do I interpret it because it's, um, unless there's this knowing or a message of, okay, you need to interpret this. So it comes through more clearly. So yeah, I, I kind of all of the above, if that's a, if that's a fair response, it comes through most often in visual metaphors for me. So there'll be a tree, for example, but the tree represents a grandparent and then you're sitting at a round table versus a square table. So it means that you're connected and collaborating, um, or there's a solid wall between you. So there's a division that you want to break through. Um, it comes through in a lot of different forms. Ah, that is so cool. I love that. I love learning about the way each person taps into their different gifts and, and also to know that it's always expanding and changing and evolving. And, you know, I'm on a 
a group where we sort of message each other like this is happening and that's happening and someone just pinged like all of a sudden I'm getting so much ringing in my ear what does that mean and I'm hearing tunes and then other people were sharing their experiences and I think that for me I have always had the knowing and as I've gotten more sensitive I will feel in my body what other people are feeling in their body and so that's connection is coming through and so I love looking at it through the lens of playfulness and curiosity and I think where we can get bogged down specifically as soulpreneurs in this kind of a space is that wanting it to either be the same or have some sort of like formulaic way of doing things because that's what we've been taught, right? Like, oh, okay, well, this is how I'm going to organize a session because that's what works in this field. I'm curious your perspective, but for me, I'm literally revamping everything that I offer because I was trying to have it be in these boxes and kept having things come through in the, in the places and the spaces that were not matched up. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do any of that anymore. I'm going to have different types of sessions, but in that session, in that container, it's going to be like up for grabs, whatever intuitively comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for, for me, it, and I completely align with that and that as entrepreneurs, we're taught, okay, like A plus B plus C plus D, right? For me, what's really important is honoring a process where we're both at the table at the same time, be it virtual connection. That's how I'm doing all my readings now. And the process is similar in that we always go through a grounding and protection element in the beginning. We set clear intentions and then a separation and clear intention at the end. But then what comes through, I've learned the same. It's, it's to be really open And I love what you said about show up with a playful curiosity. I feel like as soon as I started showing up and not trying to say it's got to be this way or that way, and just showing up with curiosity, oh, I wonder what that means. It's almost like the floodgates opened um, with it. And, And the more I'm able to be in that and get out of my like so serious <laughs> background, the more it, it creates such strong connection. So I do encourage people to just, we might not understand it sometimes, but always go with what, what feels right. I don't know how to explain it, but I am feeling really called to this class or I'm feeling really called to have a conversation with this person or do a channeling session, go with it, mm-hmm. your heart, your heart knows. Right. And even if it doesn't make sense to you, and I would go a step further, because I think this is something that happens to me a lot, that I'll muscle test for it, or I'll check with my gut, because I'm sacredly defined. And I'll move forward with something. And then, you know, a week, a month later, I'm like, why did I do that? That didn't feel like it ended the way that I thought it was going to, or it didn't lead. I I have my expectations and that attachment still somehow connected, because, you know, that's a work in progress to continue to detached from that. But then six months later, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, now it all makes sense. So even if you do follow all the things and then have that self-doubt or that ego kick in saying like, oh, shouldn't have spent the money on that. It didn't work out the way I wanted. There's still so much that can unfold. 
Oh, totally. Totally. And I think uh, for me, it sounds like you too, like coming from this kind of rigid background of, okay, here's my five-year plan. Here's my 10-year plan. <laughs> I giggle at that now um, because it's so, it's, it, you iterate you, what lights you up today and listen to that and try to release expectation of where it's going. Um, I think is where that magic can really occur. With mm, it. Yeah, definitely. Tell everybody where they can find you, how they can follow you, get in touch with you. So check out the website. That's going to be the main host of all the information at interweavepeopleplace.com. So that's going to have the design piece as well as where you can book a channeling session. I'm also on Learn It Live. So it's learn it live slash Bonnie Casamassima. I know you're on it as well. Yay. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I'm actually about to, it's not up there yet, but I'm about to launch a one month intensive where we're pulling in the connection with nature design of a small space, using your existing items all around connecting with your intuition. Thank you so much for being here. You are such a breath of fresh air. The spirit, the energy, the excitement just pours out of you. And I'm so grateful for you being here and sharing such an interesting and intentional way of approaching life. It's like this beautiful intersection of something that's very practical, that's our space, but opening it up in a whole new lens. Yeah. Thank you so much. And Lauren, I can't thank you enough for having me on here. It's an honor to to get to connect with your light and the work that you do every day is so inspiring. So we should collaborate on a course sometime. (gasps) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Then that, okay. Now my fire really gets going. (laughs) (laughs) And I do want to say um, thanks so much to all the listeners. It's been such an honor being here with you all always reach out with questions and I can't wait to see you all soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.